guys i just want to build on what craig said i don't know why but just seeing all the kids of various stages this morning pretty special people we have here in this body we've got evan that was up here doing communion mason who's excited about taking communion for the first time on a sunday and uh, he's running tech and we've got jasmine and desmond and bella and josiah wandering around and it's just pretty awesome pretty awesome so has nothing to do with the sermon, by the way. I just wanted to say that. Uh, last week, you might remember, started in on 1 John. And I want to thank you guys for being here again today as we continue in this. We've got a few people online, so thank you guys and thank you guys, okay? Um, last week, I kind of gave you the introduction to what we're doing here in 1 John, and I'm just going through the text and uh, sharing what John wrote to the Christians in 90 or 180 or whenever that was, and what that can mean for us today. And last week, I kind of gave you the backstory about how <laughs> I had a whole sermon series planned, and uh, you know, sometimes it just comes from whatever is happening in life, and I had uh, I watched a video and had probably two months of sermons planned, and I wrote them down, and I'm like, these are great. Put three bullet points, had a couple of scriptures for each. They're practically written, going to cruise for the next two months. And then I told you on Christmas morning, I, I looked at that paper and looked at all of the scripture and I was like, I don't need this and threw it in the fire. And so obviously God was saying, uh, we're not doing that series now, Harold, because I cannot think at all what those bullet points were, what those sermons were. And so I started thinking about where we should go and I decided let's do something textual. Let's just look at the word of God and work our way through it. And the letters of John are in a great place to go with that. Uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, towards the end of your New Testament, if you want to open there. They're short books, and uh, we've, we've been working through them, and we'll be in chapter 2 today. So if, if you didn't catch it last week, you weren't here, I gave a little background about these books and about John. Uh, it's likely, we think most definitely, that this is John the Apostle. He's in his older years now. He's an elder, if you will. Um, but he's also looked to in that way within the body. He's, he's respected and had the years under, under his belt, for lack of better words. We know that this is probably written to a generation that is passed from Jesus, so the next generation church. And this is probably in the late uh, double-digit AD, so like 90 AD. Um, so, you know, we've, we've gotten some great amount of time, over, you know, one generation after Jesus. And so some of the stuff that John is writing, put that into perspective here. John is writing to people to remind them about all the great things that Jesus had done and all the great things that he continues to do, but they are forgetting because they didn't actually see him and touch him and shake his hand, right? So when I read this book, I have a connection to the people that John's writing this to. I personally have a connection because I also haven't got to shake Jesus's hand. How cool would that have been? I've a couple thousand years missed that one, right? And these, these Christians are in the same situation. They never, uh, a lot of them, especially the younger ones, never got to see Jesus face to face. But John, being in his old age and being one of the last apostles here, is writing to encourage them in the next generation. So I can relate to these Christians quite a bit. And in chapter 1, John writes and says, one of the main reasons for this book, right in the first few verses, he says, is so that we can have fellowship together. So he's writing 
haven't seen Jesus, and he says, I'm writing you so we can have fellowship together. We can be one together in Jesus. Even though you haven't seen him and I have, we can be one together celebrating Jesus. And why do I say celebrating? Well, because John says another reason for his writing is so that they might have the joy in the fellowship of Jesus. So this is more a celebration letter that they can celebrate together that God did send his son for us. But just because it's celebration fellowship letter doesn't mean he takes it easy on them either, does he? It's right along in the line with a lot of letters to Christians. We love you. We're praying for you. I'm so grateful for this fellowship. But you got some stuff to work on. So do we. Kind of, again, we can relate to that, right? We've got some stuff to work on. And last week I talked about walking in the light and how we should be continually Um, leaving our sin behind, but we won't be perfect, will we? Actually, John writes in this first chapter, he says, if you say you are sinless, you're a liar. And if you say you're sinless, you're calling God a liar because nobody is perfect, but you're continually being redeemed by Christ. And he wants to encourage them in that, but also challenge them to be better, right? Be less sinless. Continue walking in the light. And that's why I had the light bulb up here last week, if you guys remember that. But he's going to continue this thought in chapter 2. And I ended um, verse 6 of chapter 2 last week. That's as far as we made it. So this morning, I want to continue in 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 and following, here in just a minute. But what John is doing is he's continuing his thought about walking in the light. The thought is still there about how can we be Christians together And how can we do it joyfully? And so he he continues his thought here in chapter 2. And I had Larry read for us uh, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, but I want to read them again together. So if you will, we'll start right there. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. John writes and he says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard, and at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Pause there for just a second. Verses 7 and 8 is all. Kind of a little wordy, but what is John trying to say? Well, it's kind of confusing, isn't it? He's saying, what I'm writing, you guys, is new, but it's old. But it's new, but it shouldn't be new because it's old. (laughs) That's what he's saying, right? And it's kind of funny, and that's why I had Larry read it so we can kind of get it twice here. But in these two verses, John is trying to say, in my own words, for me at least, you should already know what I'm trying to share with you. It shouldn't be groundbreaking because it's exactly what Jesus was sharing Years ago now, right? This is not an old or new commandment because it's been old. It's been around for a while. Okay. So it's been around for a while, but it seems new because human, right? What is this commandment, John? What is this commandment? Well, he's still talking about living in the light. So it's safe to say that he's applying it to not being perfect, 
but walking away from sin. But what else is John encouraging them to do that's not groundbreaking, but they think it is? Well, read with me verses 9 through 11. I had to stop kind of in mid-thought to explain for a second. But what else is he trying to teach them? Well, verse 9, let's keep reading. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Sometimes Christians just need a little reminding, don't they? Where we talked about just a few verses ago, John is saying, this is not a new thing you should know, and here it is. You should remember to love your brothers. <laughs> you should remember to walk in the light. These are all coming together right now, aren't they? John is saying, and beginning chapter 2 here, verses 7 through 11, if you put them all together, he's making it pretty clear that what you should be knowing and doing is that if you're walking in the light, you don't hate your brother. If you're walking in the light, you love your brother. Because if you hate your brother, you're in the darkness. Straightforward and, and clear, isn't it, from John? He's being a little abrupt with it, isn't he? He's saying there's only two camps, light and dark, and loving your brother is light and hating your brother is dark. Well, that's pretty easy, isn't it? <laughs> if he's just writing it to people uh, that are humans, it shouldn't be a problem. Nah, that's obviously not the case because if it was easy and wasn't a problem, he wouldn't have to write them and say, uh, this isn't new news, guys. You're not doing this. But yet we have it recorded for the Christians. And so what does that mean for us? Well, maybe it applies to our own life too. <laughs> maybe the Christians in 90 AD were struggling with some of the same things we still struggle with today. We're still trying to walk in the light, but do we not also stumble over the fact of not loving our brother occasionally? What do I mean by brother? Is it just the, the guys in this room? I don't think that's what John's saying. <laughs> I think John is firstly saying your brothers and sisters in Christ, because he wants them to have joy, so that means everybody in this room and the church is everywhere. Let me break that one to you, right? But then also... We have brothers and sisters because they're created by God throughout the whole world. You ever thought about that? Should we not be loving our brothers and sisters who are created in the image of God? So I think there's a dual challenge there from John. But it doesn't apply to us, so we're okay. No, this definitely applies to us. We definitely still have to wrestle with loving our brothers so we can continue to walk in the light. Just think about the Christians in 90 AD. They're not that much different than us sometimes, are they? Think about how this challenge is in our life. Not hating our brother, but loving our brother. John is saying, even if a brother lies about you over and over again, Christians, you still love him. Ooh. Even if your sister continually argues with you, over and over. You still love her, right? 
even if your brother or sister is politically charged in everything that you despise. Oh, you still love them, right? That one doesn't apply in our culture. What about the brother or sister who has freedom to do some things in their life that you're convicted you can't do? You're not jealous of them. You love them. It can go on and on, but the Christians in 90 AD, just like us, have to be challenged yet again to walk in the light. And how do you walk in the light? You love your brother. You love your sister. No matter what they're doing or you're doing. A little bit convicting there. A little bit convicting. But the good thing about John is he's not just challenging and leaving it there, right? He continues to share about the blessings that we have in Christ. John says, you need to continue growing in loving your brother and sister. But here's why. And that's what he continues on in verse 12. Read with me 12 through 14. He says, here's why you should keep loving your brother and sister. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, it's weird that he takes this little time, this little break, after saying, love your brothers and sisters, and then he kind of goes on an encouraging rant, if you will. <laughs> Who's he talk about here? Well, he talks to the children, the fathers, the young men. The children, the fathers, the young men. Kind of systematically, right? And it's not because John's trying to leave out the ladies. That's the culture, right? Who's John talking to? Everyone. It's not the the fact that he's specifically pointing out these people, but he's talking to everyone. And what's his message over and over in different ways? Well, we have, your sins are forgiven. You know him, the Father, from the beginning. You have overcome the evil one. You know the Father. You know him from the beginning. And the word of God abides in you. So what's John saying? (laughs) Hey, everyone. Why should you love your brother and sister? Why should you walk in the light? Because God lives in you. You were set free from sin by Him. You know God personally. Is that not enough reason in itself? And so John encourages them, not only challenges them, but encourages them because they love the light. They've been redeemed by the light. Why would they ever want to step back into darkness? And so he's reminding them again, this light is overcoming Satan. And you have it. You have overcome Satan, people. Don't leave it behind. What's he saying to us? We're overcoming Satan. Don't leave it behind just because so-and-so has some different political beliefs. Man, that's hard, though. (laughs) That's hard. So he's encouraging while he's challenging. 
And the last piece I want to read this morning isn't even going to continue or to wrap us up in chapter 2, but I do want to read these last few verses, verses 15 through 17. Because John is saying, walk in the light and love your brothers and sisters. But then he says, there's also something you shouldn't love. And that's verses 15, 16, and 17. Let's read it. John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God, whoever does the will of God, they abide forever. So John's going through in the second chapter, he's saying, love your brothers and sisters. And then he says, don't love the world. Are these connected? I would say so, right? The challenge is to love your brothers and sisters first off, but then he's saying, you've replaced it with loving the world instead of the other way around. The challenge now to the Christians then and to the Christians now is don't fall in love with everything you're surrounded by. Fall in love with the people that Christ has impacted. Swap those out. Because I don't know about you, is it a challenge not to love the world? Okay, let me put that a little differently because that's a little Bible-y sounding. What does loving the world look like? Have you ever thought about this? Usually we think like terrible, terrible things, right? You're like, I'm so greedy and I rob banks and I do all these vile things. No, that's not necessarily the love of the world, is it? What about us? What kind of things can we love in this world? Can you love your family? Is it of this world? Yeah. Now, hopefully for many of us, we have family that is brother and sister in Christ as well. But if we put our family above God, we love the world more than we love God. What about our culture? <laughs> Do we love our things? Do we love our houses and our cars and our status? Dangerously so sometimes. Have you ever met a person that loves their degree? <laughs> Dangerously so sometimes, right? Even little things sometimes. Social media above God? Dumb. Books above God? No. What about our social clubs? I'm not picking on you, Rod, but this is the one I thought of, okay? Do we love golf more than we love God? I'm not picking on you, Rod. I know you don't. I know you don't. Sometimes we accidentally stack those wrong, don't we? Sometimes we fall in love with the world because you know what? Nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with the world, but what's wrong is the fact that we're loving it. It's not wrong to go golf or to have a family. Thank God, right? It's not wrong to have a family. It's not wrong to have a Facebook or a car. But what becomes detrimental is when we start loving them over God. And that's exactly what John is challenging the Christians here. He's convicting me, at least, to love God above the things of this world. 
Because uh, for myself, and I'm, I'm saying this is convicting for me, for myself, I will be worried about everything of this world, and then I find myself worrying to the fact that I love it. I love to worry. I love to worry about the things of this world. So bringing it all together, what's John saying here in chapter 2? Chapter 2, John's saying, keep walking in the light, like we talked about last week. Keep walking in the light. You're not perfect. You're not sinless, but you're going to try, aren't you? Here's how you try. Here's how you start doing it. You start doing it by loving your brothers and sisters, no matter how goofy they might be. John didn't write that. I said that. No matter how goofy they might be. And what do you do instead of loving, or what do you do? You love your brothers and sisters, and instead of loving the world, you love them. Why? Because loving the world is dangerous. Because loving the world is dangerous. So I say these things, and I always wonder what people think when I'm up here preaching. I read these, and I say, man, (laughs) I sometimes need to work on loving my brothers and sisters. Because the examples I come up with in sermons are ones I think sometimes. (laughs) If you guys didn't know that. I think sometimes brothers and sisters in these certain situations are hard. Goofy. But I also give the examples of things in the world that are easy to love because I find myself falling in love with them. Not because they're bad, but because I have placed them too high a priority. So when I come up here and preach, I want you guys to know that this is the stuff I'm working on this week, this month, next year, and for the rest of my life. Because I too also am working continually to walk in the light by loving my brothers and sisters and not loving the world. Let's try together. Thank you, church. Stand if you can, if you would like.